All right. Anybody know what Genesis 1-1 says? Okay. <laughs> yes, you got the first couple words. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let me, I'll read this for you because you did get the, you got the first three words. Okay. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and the darkness was over the face of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. I said Genesis 1-1, but I just want to see what you guys are saying. You guys, scripture memory is really important. Let's, uh, this is a good one to memorize. Um, you know what's really sad is when I was in school, I used to be able to recite the entire book of James. You know why it's sad is because it never did anything for me. I could just recite it. But there is, there is a value to scripture memory, memorization, learning those scriptures, because what happens is, is when you're going through trials, they come out of you. Like James says, count it all joy. I could, I, could, I could quote that, but I didn't know what it meant. And so, but learning Scripture, understanding what Scripture means, and being able to call it out of you, bring it out of you, drag it out of you, because hard times will, will surprise you sometimes when something you're going through, it will drag that Scripture out of you because you're, you're searching for it and you're, you're just grasping for it. And then God's like, oh, remember this one, and it comes out of you. So verse 3, Genesis 1, 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. My kids are always like the light after the zombie movies. Last night, we were watching a movie, and uh, some, I don't know, I didn't watch it because it's dumb. But um, they watched a scary movie, and then Lana goes into our, our laundry room, and she's like, I'm scared of the dark again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and he saw it, and it was good. So it says, in Genesis 1, it says, God spoke, and creation happened. God used his words, his creative power, to start to create something. It said the Spirit, Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters, waiting for God to say something. The Holy Spirit's hovering there. He's waiting. He's in the void. He's in the, the, the nothingness that there is. And God says, let there be light. Do you guys realize that in those first three verses, the Trinity was, was, was being used and in effect? Because God spoke his son, the word of the Lord, went out and the Holy Spirit Activated. Sorry. I keep thinking of that stupid uh, Holy Spirit activate thing I see on Instagram all the time. Yeah, sorry. That just came to my mind as soon as I said that. Sorry. And y'all know, if you who know what it is, you just let it ride. Anyway, so the word of the Lord went out. God created. <laughs> Keelan's back there laughing because she knows what it is. Yeah. Um, so God spoke a word. So, uh, Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our heads around the Trinity, um, understanding who God is in three persons, in one, three, uh, three different individual personalities in one, but he's also one and three, three and one. If you really, like, if you get a general overview of it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But when you start to dive into it, I started diving into it a couple years ago, 
and I read it for, I was studying it for like three or four days, and I'm just like, my head hurts, because this is just too much personality for, to understand God. And I think as we, we, we study God, we need to leave some things to the wonder. And leave some things to not knowing and just saying, God, I don't know, and I don't want to know, because then I lose the wonder of knowing who you are, not trying to know who you are. And I think sometimes we have to just let God be God and stop trying to investigate him. Into, I have to understand everything about God. Well, when you start to ever under, try to understand everything about God, we start to push away the wonder of who he is and try to explain him as in information on a page, things I can understand. And here's the thing is the more I understand God, the less I understand him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you did this. I'm like, how did you do that? But I understand how you did it, but I don't understand how you did it because he's God. We can't put God on paper and say, this is who God is. We have a brief summary of who he is right here. This is a, very, this is a billionth of a sliver of who he is. But when God spoke, what happened? The rhema word of God went out. Rhema means the spoken word. So when God spoke, he said, let there be light. And the word of the Lord went out. John 1. I was uh, reading this and listening to this. I have the um, entire Bible on my phone that I put into playlists. So I've been putting all the different gospels into playlists, and I've listened to John. And this stuck out to me. And I, this was really really powerful, and it says this, John 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. This is John explaining a minute explanation of what Scripture says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. Say that ten times fast. In the beginning, the Word was with God. In the word, I'm sorry, in the beginning was the Word. What is Jesus? He is the Word of the Lord given to us. I'm not talking about the Scripture. I'm talking about the Word of God. He is the Word of God in the beginning. When God said, let there be light, Jesus was co-creating with the Father saying, we're doing this together. Do, do we just think that God by himself left the other two and said, oh, hey, I got this taken care of? No. When God works in our life, it is not a single-sidedness of God. When God works in our life, when God is, is, is doing something in our life, all three parts of his characteristic of the personalities of God are active in that. So when he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That means Jesus, who was with God. And then it says, the Word was God. He, he's solidifying the, the, the uniqueness of the Trinity, saying Jesus, who was given to us, was there when the creation of the world happened. He was with God, and He is God. All things, excuse me, He was with God in the, in the beginning, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing made that was made. 
So that, thing, that means that when Jesus was there with God in the beginning, God spoke and everything that was being made was made through Jesus. I know I'm, this is going to get, it's going to get less confusing, trust me. There's another word for Jesus and it is the word logos. It means the word of the Lord. A lot of people say this is logos. The word of the Lord, we always say this is the logos. There's a, a Bible study that says logos. So this, is, this is another reference of logos, but what we're talking about is Jesus. He is the word of the Lord. He is the, the spoken word that God used to create. He is the spoken word when he was on this earth. He was the word made flesh. He came to be with us, spoke to us, and conveyed what the Father was telling him. So when we look at Jesus, we can't look at him as just, oh, he's Jesus, he was sent down. No, Jesus has been there since the beginning of time. We didn't use the name Jesus because that was his earthly name. When he was born, he was given a name. He has many names, the Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Counselor. And that's and that, what we have to look at is Jesus is not just this man that came down to save us from our sins. That is the, the biggest part of who he is for us, but that is not the biggest part of who he is in the overall scheme of things. Because he was there from the beginning. He knew what was happening. He wasn't surprised when he was born and came to earth and said, oh, oh, you want me to die now? No, he, he, from the beginning of time, he knew his mission. He knew what he was going to do from the beginning of time, and he's like, this is what I was here for. This is what I'm here for. So we have the rhema word of God. When God spoke, let there be light, Jesus was active in it. When Jesus was on earth, he was the living word of God. He was the logos. He was the the word of God given to man in, in the flesh form to become something for us, to help us, to guide us, to die for us. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says this. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Think about that. He created the world through his son, Christ Jesus. It wasn't just a, oh, poof, there it is. It was a co-creation of everything that we see. The air we breathe. The dirt we stand on. The atmosphere, the clouds, the sky, the stars. Everything was created through Jesus Christ. That's why we believe God does creative miracles. Not just, oh, well, miracles ever happen every now and then. You know what's funny is I was listening to something and they were talking about, um, I was listening to a radio station, they were talking about, well, God doesn't really do miracles anymore. And then three hours later, this, the, they're interviewing this guy. He's like, yeah, I got a book of all these miracles God has done. I'm like, make up our minds. What are we choosing? What are we choosing? But that's the thing is God uses Jesus to create the world used the, the word of the Lord went out and it created everything that we see. And that's why we believe in creative miracles because Jesus has the ability 
to create. Think about this. He healed countless amount of people that we read about in the Bible, but I don't think there's a way that we can actually ever gauge what he did. This is just a, a very minute detail of what he did on earth. Healing the blind, the woman with the issue of blood, the lepers, you know, all these people that we see, we see just a little bit of who he is. And what's great about this is when we see, we see this minute detail of who he is and it draws us to him. It draws our heart to him when we read this. You can, if you can read the Gospels and not be moved by what Jesus did, it, there's something wrong. If you can't read the Gospels and see what Jesus did, and I'm not talking about his, his death on the cross, I'm talking about his compassion for the people that he healed. The people that he made his, took the time to go. The guy's like, my daughter's dying. Please come, come see her. They get there. Oh, she's dead. He's like, no, she's not. She's just sleeping. She's just resting. What does Jesus do? He creates life. So when we look at Scripture, we can look back from the beginning of time and see that Jesus has created everything. He creates life in a dead girl. And so when we look at him, we have to say, Jesus, what are you doing in my life that you're creating in my life? He is the Son of God, yes, but he is the creator of the world. He is the word of the Lord given to us so we can have a relationship with him. Jesus is the word of the Lord, but he's also the spoken word of the Lord. The one who's been there before all time and still with the Father. We look at Jesus and we say, you're the, the one who died on the cross. You're the one who became sin so I didn't have to. You're the one who died so I didn't have to. You're the one that paid the price so I didn't have to. but his character is more than just that. His, it, who he is is more than that. I think we need to really look at Scripture and look at the Gospels and say, who is Jesus? I think a lot of us growing up in church or being raised around church or whatever we know Jesus as, he's the Savior. He is the one who died on the cross. You know, you can ask almost any kid coming out of children's church, who's Jesus? He died on the cross. And that's great. We, they need to understand that. We, we make sure they understand that, who he is. But I think in our lives, he's more than just that. It, in, in Scripture, it says that he's our brother. He, he is our prince. He is the good shepherd. He, he's more than just that. We talk about the names of God, and we can Jehovah this and Jehovah that. And we need to start looking at the characteristic of who Jesus is. 
because he is, the, he is the new covenant for us. He is the new relationship for us. And when we look at that, he is the everlasting king. The rhema is the spoken word of God. And the, the great thing about this is, is when we're speaking the word of God, we're releasing what Jesus, who and what Jesus is into our life and into people's lives around us. Rhema means to speak out, means the spoken word. And when we as believers, Wanda, you were talking about, you're like, I'm just believing God. What did you do? You started to, to talk to God about that. You started to say, you know what? You promised me this. You said this is what I should get for him. What did you do? You started to talk about that. You started to confess that over your life, to proclaim that over your life. And, and as Christians, we look at Jesus and say, okay, he is our healer. What do we do? We, we, we call back the scriptures to him. We take his own words and, and recite them to him. We're like, Jesus, you are the healer. It says, by your stripes you are healed. You remind Jesus of who he is. You're reminding of what he did for you on the cross. You're reminding him of, of the promises that you have because of what he has done. Ephesians 6.17 says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the spoken word of God. So when we speak, when we, we use the word rhema, we're talking about the spoken word of God. We're talking about the confession of our faith. We're talking about the thing that we're believing for. We start to, to rejoice and we start to proclaim what God is doing. doing. Second Corinthians 10 says this, says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that rises against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. He's saying that the sword of the Spirit is not something that we can physically hold in our hands, but it is the word of the Lord when we speak out the scripture over our lives. How many of you guys ever use scripture to confess that over your, your life when you are sick or when you're not feeling well? If you haven't, start doing it. You'll find it, it'll change you. Your circumstances, thank you. That's why you're here. I'm not everybody, uh, everybody's cup of tea. That's why my wife has sugar. So she makes it a little sweeter. You're sweet, yes, you're sweet. So when we are dealing with life, when we're going through the situations, when we're saying, you know what, we're struggling with this, what do we do? We take the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God, the logos, and we speak it out. It says hold fast, fast to what your confession of faith. We talk about the things that we want God to do. We confess the things that Scripture says over our lives. 
Our weapon is speaking the word of the Lord over the situations and circumstances in our life. If you want something to change, start confessing scripture over it. Start talking to what God is saying over it. We have too many Christians that are stuck in the same pit doing a Gideon. Well, I just can't come out because I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to come out because if I come out, the big bad devil's going to get me. You know that Gideon needed a confirmation from the Lord, the spoken word of the Lord that said, you mighty man of valor. Basically, the angel was saying, in my term, the way I would say it, you're, you have valor, you're brave, get your butt out of the pit. So when we are dealing with the things of life, and, and we've probably said this a hundred times, when we first got married and when we, for four or five years, we had post-it notes all over our car. We probably looked like we were weirdos, but we had scripture taped to the, where the airbag would go off. I don't know if that was the smartest thing to do, but you know, it's, we had scripture there and, you know, like, oh, you know, ink smudges off on us if we get in an accident or something. Um, but we had scripture in our car. It was on our dash and it was on, on you know, our uh, steering wheel. We had it on our bathroom mirrors and, and you know, the, but what it, we needed was to see what the word of the Lord was so we could talk, take it and apply it to our life. When we take the word of the Lord and we don't apply it to our life, we can't expect change. If you want things to change, we have to start to take the word of the Lord, start saying what his scripture is, and remind God of his scripture and start to apply it into our life. The spoken word of the Lord is powerful. It says right here, it says the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken word of God. So this is great in black and white. I don't know if that's cardboard covering it, but it's more powerful when it comes out of our mouth. It becomes a weapon when it comes out of our mouth. That's why it says our weapons are not of this world. They're not carnal. They're sword of the spirit. says we destroy arguments. What are arguments? They're anything that comes against what God says in his word about us, what he calls us in his word. So when you're going through life, when you're going through those trials, those tribulations, and you don't want to go through them, and then you read James, and you realize that when you go through them, there's something good that will come out of them, you start to take the word of the Lord, and you start to have your confession of faith, but the enemy will come to argue that with you. He likes to come and remind you of the situation you have and, not, not the, circ- and the circumstances you have and not the end result of where God is going to bring you. He wants to say, oh, by the way, you're never going to accomplish this. You're never going to get back what you had. You're never going to amount to much. And that's where you take the word of the Lord and you say, you know what? No, shut up. I think you and I have actually said that to some people sometimes when they've been, yes, sometimes we're a little rough. Um, We do it because we love you. Um, But we've actually had some people that were one time and we were like, you need to shut up right now. They're like, 
Like, what are you going to talk about? Yeah. You will create life and death in the power of the tongue. This wasn't, um, God did not say, I'm creating life and death. He said, you will create life and death. Your words will make, make or break you. They will take you there or leave you there. So when we confess with our mouth, what are you confessing? Are you confessing life and death, but choose you this day? What are you going to choose, life or death? Jesus is the word of God made flesh for us so we can confess him over our life. That his blood flows over us, our circumstances, our families, our jobs, whatever is in the way, the blood of Jesus covers it. But our job is to be co-creators with God. You know that God never stopped creating? He created the world. But think about this. He is the one that keeps everything going. I just, you know, in my mind, because I'm, you know, a big kid, I like to imagine God up, up, upstairs going like this, just keeping the world going. You know, he's just spinning it. I, I know it's, it's stupid, but in my mind, that's how I think God is doing. He's just, but in, you know, he's just in his infinite, whoever he is and however he does things, which we don't know, he is keeping the world in motion and he's still creating. A tree comes up from the ground he is still creating. He's still creating life in our world today. Yes. Some of you, he's knitting things together. But he's creating daily. We just don't recognize it. He's making things happen. He's, he's working in us. He's removing things from us. But he's creating life. The fact that he, we are breathing air means that he is still creating oxygen. That he makes the, uh, the world have the ability to have oxygen. That he's creating new trees to create oxygen from. And that's the thing is we have to start to look at him as he is God. Jesus is the spoken word of God. He is the logos. He is the word of God. The Word made flesh. But God is looking to create in us something that is not there or He's looking to bring something that back that we thought was dead. You ever had something and you think, oh, I, I killed it, or this plant I have, I think I killed it. Uh, yep, it looks horrible. You put a little water in it, put it in the window for a couple days, and you're like, oh, it's back. Or maybe some of you are just like, I kill it and it's gone, I throw it out. You might, be the, you might be the plant murderers. You're not good at keeping plants. Don't raise your hand. But God is creating something new in us. He's looking to do something in us that we can't imagine. You know, he's looking to restore. We can't, here's the thing is, we, we like restoration. You know, you, you watch the, the Home and Garden channel, HGTV, all that shows that do the exact same thing for a half hour, one after each other, and it's the exact same show, but it's just different people. Yes. We like, oh, look, I took this $200 dresser and I, and I redid it and I made $2,000 off it. Well, good for you because I don't have the time to do that. We love restoration. God loves restoration, but he does it in a different way. Here's the thing is when God 
sent his son to die for us. He did not restore us. He gave us new life. We want, oh God, just for, when we come to God, we want God to restore everything. He's like, maybe I'm trying to create something new in you. Maybe what, is, what you thought was dead and what, you, what is dead, God's trying to bring back something new for you instead of creating, recreating the same old thing. People are like, oh God, I want this back. And he's like, it wasn't good for you in the first place. Let me do something new, something fresh, something that will produce fruit, something that will help you grow and not what you thought was good for you. Here's the thing is we have the choice to let God speak over us or let our, or let our own words speak over us. In our humanness, we suck. I'm just saying. We're not good at following through. We're not good at keeping a good relationship with him. Some of it is our own mindset of we don't think we have a good relationship with him. And a lot of it is our inability to continue a relationship I mean, we barely can keep relationships with each other, let alone the creator of the universe. We're not good at following through with him. We're not good at having those conversations with him. We're good at blaming him for things that we don't like. Oh God, why did this happen? Why'd you do this to me? He's like, grow up. He's like, I don't do that. Read my word, you'll find out I don't do that. He doesn't come to kill steal and destroy who comes to kill steal and destroy the enemy don't let anybody ever tell you it's anything but the 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 enemy of our souls that comes to kill steal and destroy god does not come to kill and steal and destroy it's not humans it's not anything else but lucifer the enemy fallen angel who says i'm coming to destroy you he is the only one and we're good at partnering with him sometimes my, wife, my life is just a mess. I don't know what to do. Well, you went and danced with the devil for three weeks, and now you wonder why. God's like, grow up. You're like, but God, where were you? Well, you didn't want me to... Three's a uh, crowd. And he's like, you went and danced with the devil for this amount of time, and now you want me to be involved in it. Come clean up my mess, God. like well that's a bummer i'll help you clean it up but i'm not going to clean it up for you we always want god to take care we want god to be the 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 garbage service that comes and takes all of our trash and all of our bad things away from us and he's like i'm not here to clean up your mess i'm here to help you become new to renew your mind like it says renew your mind on the things above set your affection set your mind on the things that are above not on the things of this world we need to start to focus and like god why did you god doesn't abandon us he doesn't leave us he doesn't forsake us if he's going to like it says in scripture if he's going to clothe the birds of the field he's going to take care of us it's just not within our time frame our mindset and when and how we want it done and he's like grow up We need to start to look at God and say, okay, God, your word says that, you, that Christ is the, the word of the Lord. I need to start taking the word of the Lord and applying it into my life. 
I need to take his actions, his motives, and start to apply it into my life. Then I need to take scripture and read what your word tells us and start to apply it to my life. That's how we become mature. It says growing up in all things that we may become mature. Using the word of the Lord. We're talking about the written word and we're talking about Jesus who has made sin, was made sin for us so that we could live in him. So when circumstances happen, we have to start to say, okay, what, what, are, my, what are my options here? Do I do what, the opposite of James and, and throw it? I don't think in James 42 it says, throw a temper, temper tantrum on the ground and kick in and scream until God shows up. It says, count it all joy when you experience trials, tribulations, because the working of it produces what? It can be joy, it can be patience. Patience. We try to teach it to our kids, and they try to teach it to us. <laughs> but we have to learn to wait on God. We apply His Word to our life, we follow Him, follow what His Word says, follow what he's, where He's leading and guiding us, but we have to wait on God. Any of you ever had to wait on God? Yes. You wait on God because why? Because we have to wait on him. We are not God. That's the, the simplest explanation. We have to wait on him because we have to wait on him. We are not God. He is God. He knows all, sees all, and is all. We have to wait on the Lord, and it says he shall renew our strength. The problem is, is we want God to do it now. Give me it now. God, I, I, I quoted three scriptures over this, and why is it not happening? It's like sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. Oh, it didn't work. It's like you want pixie dust to fix it all and like you want a genie to pop up and God's not that way. God is like, I am going to provide for you. I'm going to give you something greater than what you can expect, but you need to learn to wait on me. So when Jesus is, when it says that he is the word of the Lord, that means he's speaking to us, but we can speak the word of the Lord out also. It means hold fast to your confession of faith. So when you're going through those trials, when you're going through things, that just don't make sense? You ever had a situation that doesn't make sense? Yes. When it doesn't make sense, what do we do? Do we try to figure it out or do we hold fast to what God is saying? When we hold fast to what God is saying, what his word says and what he is telling you, then it's like, okay, I know where my anchor is. I know what's holding me in place. So whatever the storm is, no matter what is going on, I know what his word says. That's why understanding Scripture, memorizing Scripture about who He is, who you are, and, what God, and how God calls you and sees you is important. Because when you're going through that time and trial, it's, sometimes it's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. But God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, like that song said, if He leaves the 99 to go find the one, I think He's going to take care of us. What I love is this, is the word of the Lord was there from the beginning, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh for us. He came to earth to be with us, to die for us, 
so we wouldn't have to. He became sin so we wouldn't have to. He took our punishment so we wouldn't have to. There's no greater gift. If your life sucked the entire life, the gift of Jesus Christ and salvation is more than enough. If you had the worst life and, and at the end of your life you said, I get to go be with God, it's all worth it. So those moments of, oh, this is horrible. God, where are you? I need you. He's like, it's okay. And when you're through with it and when you've gotten over it and when you realize that God is still God and he shows up when we least expect it sometimes, and then he looks at us and goes, but did you die? We're like, God, my finances are, are, are really, really bad. I need you. He's like, yes, I will take care of you. And then when you're, you're like, thank you, God, for helping me. Thank you for, for blessing me with a new job or whatever it is. And, and then he's like, but did you die? <laughs> We're overdramatic as human beings, and God's like, oh, my gosh, really? You know, we're all like, you know, quoting Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, by the end of that Psalm, you realize that David's like, my God has not forsaken me. But we're so quick to jump on the, the wagon of God doesn't care about me when we don't get what we need immediately. We've been trained for instant gratification of everything. We want food now. We want this now. A child learns that when they cry, they get food. And we have to start to look at ourselves and say, you know, I have to grow up. I have to learn how to trust God, wait on God, and realize that He is going to provide. Our kids realize that, you know, we're going to feed them at least three times a day. Well, let, maybe not this one, but, um, you know, food, food is available three times a day. Yeah, there's a big box in our kitchen. You can go get some food out of there if you want. Um, but we have to start to learn, learn to trust God like our kids trust us to feed them. Not you, you're weird. Um, we feed her, she just likes to make the food because she's that way. But we have to start to learn to trust God and say, God, I know you will take care of me. I know you will provide for me. I know my needs will be met. I know that even when I go through the storm and I come out the other side, you're still there. He's still God. He doesn't lie. Anybody ever caught God lying? No. No. I love when people, well, God didn't, God didn't do what I needed him to do or what I wanted him to do. Well, what do you want God to do? That's why we have to look at Scripture and say, my, he says to his Father, it's not my will, but your will be done. And we have to look at Scripture and say, God, I need this in my life, but what do you want for me? Sometimes our desires are not his desires. Sometimes what we want in our life is not what he wants in our life. Sometimes we pick up things that we shouldn't pick up. Sometimes we lay down things that we shouldn't lay down. And God's like, I gave that to you for a reason. Or I told you not to pick that up for a reason. But we have to be obedient to him, understand his voice to be able to hear what he's saying to us. Did I ask you to pick that up? Did I ask you to lay that down? Did I ask you to do this? And we have to say, yeah, you didn't ask me to do that repent and get back at it. Or if he says, I asked you to pick that up and you didn't repent, go back to it. But when we understand, we start to discern the word of the Lord, understand what God is saying in our life, 
The Holy Spirit helps. He guides us. He leads us. He will give you the wisdom to know when to pick it up, know when to lay it down, know when to change course when we are going in an area that we shouldn't go into or when we're going into an area that we should go into. He said he will lead us and guide us. Don't you think he will lead, lead you and guide you in the choices of your life? Yes. One person said yes. We'll have to disciple the rest of you. Is it? Um, yes, it is. It's okay. You'll get more offended at me later. No, I'm just kidding. No. But following God, listening to His voice, listening to the Word made flesh, listening to what Jesus is telling us to do is the first step of following God. We can start to discern his voice, understand his voice, because he leads us and guides us into victory. Sometimes it doesn't look like victory, but it's victory. Sometimes what we see doesn't look like what we want it to be, but it's his will for us. Sometimes surrendering ourselves means doing things that we don't want to do for him because he's asked us to do those. Sometimes laying it down, picking it up, whatever it is, doesn't feel good, doesn't seem right, but it's what he's asked us to do. So when you're going through things, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God, and apply it to your life. Let's pray.